Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. Lots and lots and lots to talk about this week. There is news of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebration plans. There is all of the remembrance going goings on to catch up with. We've got an interview with um, Laurie Bolt from Age UK about Prince Charles's work as patron there, which they forcey kindly did for us. And I'm delighted to have Russell Myers, Daily Mirror Royal Editor, with me, and I'm your host, Anne Griffith, as ever. So hello and to this week, to listeners and to Russell. Nice to see you. Uh, hello, hello. I'm quite excited for a Thursday. I don't know what's don't know what is going on. You Maybe. sound it. You sound oh, yeah. you sound like the joys of spring. I mean, it's, what is it? It's just after nine o'clock in the morning. You're, you're, you're ready to go. Well, maybe it's partly because I had a very jolly time doing a Q&A for Mrs. Southern Social. So, so thank you very much to Alexandra um, Phillips and Mary Hollis Huddleston and the team there for asking me to do that to kind of mark the crown coming out and, um, you know, a bit of royal, royal chit-chat. And I taught them the word faff, which is obviously... Very amazing. good, very good. And didn't someone have to explain uh, the word chuffed to an American journalist the other day? Chuffed. Happy. Delighted. Delighted, yeah. I was expecting to see a picture of you in a tiara oh, in this well, article. No, you have to go to Instagram for pictures. <laughs> only fans. <laughs> only, only, only fans. And also, I'm very much looking forward to talking to Elizabeth Holmes next week about the release of her HRH book. And we've got a crown special coming up as well. So lots and lots and lots. Gosh, it's all go. I know, it is all go. But today, we're going to start with all of the exciting news about um, the Queen giving us an extra day off. Which, yes, yes. I mean, people I mean, wonder why we like the royal family. It's the extra days off. The bugle. I mean, I feel like we should have had a sort of a sound effect bugle. I need you to be doing your Queen impression to bestowing <laughs> upon her subjects a, a day off. But yeah, we are delighted. This came out last night that because of the Queen's platinum jubilee, the first ever in Britain, in the United Kingdom, we are going to have an extra day off. The bank holiday in May is going to be moved to June on the Thursday, and we're going to get another one off on the Friday. So it's going to be a four-day extravaganza. So hopefully the pubs will be open by then and we can all have a jolly good knees up. Which I hope they are. It's 2022. So or even being able to sit next to each other at trestle tables in the street in a traditional um, you that know, street party style. Be swell, wouldn't it? That would be lovely. And I, I, we were all going to be looking forward to this. I mean, it, it was the usual sort of um, nonsense language used by the government that's saying, you know, we're going to be doing uh, all these celebrations. However, I think people just want a big old knees up in the pub, in their streets, with their neighbours, and gosh, I mean, let's. what will happen between now and then? God, nobody knows what's going to happen between now and Christmas, to be honest with you. So we're a bit of a way off. We're sort of 18, 19 months off, aren't we? So, uh, however, it's going to be pretty good four-day weekend. Hooray. Do you think they've released the details now because people need something to cheer them up and be excited about and look forward to and kind of have a bit of hope in the future? Probably. it's quite far away. It is a long way away. And so, I mean, so when I was telling the desk at this yesterday, they were delighted. And then I told them that it wasn't until 2022. It was a bit flat. However... 
I think you're right that um, we, we need a bit of cheering up at the moment. People, I've seen a lot of um, articles about people putting their Christmas decorations up I super early this yesterday. year. I saw Speak some when where? I was out. We were walking along the road going up to Sainsbury's to get some bits that we needed. And there were some Christmas lights and they looked fabulous. In the street? Or in on the, some, in the all house. on somebody's house oh and the my trees. Mind you, to be honest, my neighbours, my neighbours have got their lights up. Well, so, I've got yeah. a dismembered um, light-up reindeer. When when the news came in that the shops were going to be shut for a bit, we thought, okay, it's going to still be shut on the first of December. By that stage, it's entirely acceptable to put up Christmas decorations when you're going to be at home at the whole time. So we went up to the garden centre and bought the gi- the giant light-up reindeer that my Very husband good. has been eyeing up for the last three years. Good luck. We like finally committed to it, and it's currently in pieces on the bed. You'll see it a little bit of it in the background if you see our team photo on Instagram. This week, because these some balloons as well. These are remnants yeah. of your birthday. Yeah, I'm not giving. I'm not giving you, up the you, birthday are vibe. You're like a three week birthday person. Oh yeah. It's oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You gotta, you gotta celebrate. You gotta well, celebrate. celebrate. Well, obviously, I did have a lovely celebration, but there's the two oh, other God. celebrations that I'd previously had planned and got downgraded. So we're going to do those at some stage anyway. And Good. You, you know, at some stage, you and I need to go for a drink and just. This is incredible baby and birthday i know i know i know all of the all of the above but well if not before maybe on the queen's platinum jubilee although you'll probably be quite busy that day i would imagine but you know the, the queen will be how old will she be 96 96 96 96 i mean she will be in very senior i would imagine she might quite like to sit at home sorry that was my phone going ping how naughty um she'll be very senior and I would imagine she might quite like just to sit at home and, you know, watch the racing and just chill out. Well, do you know what? I was saying today, and um, our good friend Chris Schiff at ITV, he pulled me up on this, actually. And I don't know what... Well, I suppose both are true. I've said that this finally puts to bed the rumours that have been written about for, like, 20 years that the Queen is going to step down when she's 95. Oh, yes. So, however, Chris pointed out, he was uh, did a hashtag just saying, and he just said, well, she would be queen in, reg- in a regency. So I suppose that is technically true, but I still can't see it. And I think this is, it puts it to bed. You know, I, can't, I still can't see her stepping down. She might just, you know, still have this process of, you know, stepping aside almost, handing down patronages, giving more uh, responsibilities to... Um, to her son. I mean, he is 72 now. 71, he's probably taking more responsibility. But also, if you think about the absolute hammering that Harry, particularly, obviously, because it was his kind of birthright, if you like, more so than Meghan, who obviously married into it, but the hammering that Harry got from stepping, for stepping aside from duty and leaving Mm. the role behind. um, Well, it it just goes again. I mean, I've never... Would do it, you know. I've, I've never thought that that would happen because of the oath... And you watch it, it's, I mean, I can't repeat it verbatim, but the oath essentially is until, until my dying day, isn't it? I, as long as I am alive, then I will serve um, God and the people, essentially. So therefore, it would go against everything. I mean, we're, we're, we're quite a different monarchy um, in that sense. And I think because of her global standing as well, she, she will go through to the bitter end. And long, and long may she reign, because, you know, I, I think that, Gosh, I can't even contemplate what it will be like. I mean, this is my brain working overtime because I'll be so busy in, the, in this period. However, I think we've got a few years left 
Um, and I think that this welcome news, that the fact that they're putting big, big, um, big plans for the country for her platinum jubilee means, uh, it means there's no, no intention of stepping down. So I think it's really nice that we're getting a day off, but um, poor old HMQ, she never gets a day off. No, She's the queen no. every day, busy doing that. And I think, um, you know, is there anything else that is actually planned or is it just we are setting aside this time and some stuff will happen which we'll figure out in the in the fullness of time and share with you as and when to keep getting people excited yeah pretty much let's have a look they were saying oh there is a jubilee medal being created and awarded to public service workers and apparently this happens every sort of milestone so diamond jubilee golden jubilee extra points if you know the the dates of those well, what I was thinking, so the Diamond Jubilee was the year, London, it was the year of the Olympics. Olympics, yes. So what we actually need to get for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, we can't have the Olympics because it's not an Olympic year and we're certainly we're no good for Winter Olympics here. That is not what the UK is built for. But we need some like major sporting occasion because the London Olympics were fantastic they were and so good let's face it we probably remember that summer much more for the london olympics than for the queen's celebrations of her um, well it was a big old knees up outside the wet. palace it yeah it was actually lot. pouring down yeah well. so let's just hope for better weather in two years time um, um okay so four four day celebrations featuring an extensive program of events that mix the best of british ceremonial splendor and pageantry with cutting edge artistic and technological displays i told you it was a bit wordy basically it's gonna be on zoom isn't it yeah it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll still be here in bloody two years time no um, we won't it's all gonna be fine everything is gonna be fine Oh, and here we go. This will be interspersed with the traditional nationwide fanfare and celebration. The traditional nationwide fanfare and celebration. Beacon lighting. I want some beacon lighting and I want some bell ringing. Those are two of my favourite things. And I think this is why these are special occasions, because you do get that sense of the whole nation is joining in something. And this is this Definitely. is one of the reasons I like going to a football match. You've got this sense of people coming together for a kind of a common um a common experience. And you know, on the on the Jubilees when the beacons are being lit all over the country, you might be able to see them or you might be at one and you know you're doing it here and that this is being echoed right across the country. Like we we were driving down to my parents in Cornwall on that Jubilee night when the beacons were being lit and we saw some of them and it was it was kind of a magical thing somehow. It, you know, it did feel special. Well, there you're saying that the, the, the next line actually in this release is spectacular moments in London and other major cities will be complemented by events in communities across the UK and the Commonwealth. So you can imagine this sort of wave of uh, celebration going on. So I think it's going to be rather good. Um, and I mean, hopefully, you know, that year period, because if we're not in out of this midst of coronavirus until the spring, then you will have, you know, a year long party of everyone doing everything that they should have done this year. But, you know, double oh, trouble for everybody. Can you imagine how excited people will be when if that's when we need that's when we really need the four day bank holiday weekend because let's face it nothing's getting done is it if no some, like, exactly so normal, yeah super but... cool this this medal apparently to public service workers um i, th- I think that would that will be quite a big deal as well because of you know, we've we've heard a lot about the emergency services, especially our people in the NHS over coronavirus. And indeed, Daily Mirror is 
you know, leading the way for a campaign for emergency service NHS workers to be given a medal as well for their efforts during the pandemic. And um, and I think we've all started appreciating, I hope that really doesn't go away from society, actually, you know, the appreciation of your postie, your delivery man, your, you know, the baker, the man who sells you your coffee before you get on the train in the morning, all these sorts of people who are doing, you know, these essential jobs, essential workers, super, people working in supermarkets. It's not the, the people that bankers, make your life it? continue. Exactly. It's Basically. not the bankers. They're not the essential workers. It's the people who are, you know, doing the everyday tasks, not only the people that are saving lives, but also people who meet every day. So I think, well, I hope that that carries on. So the other thing that I've got, I've developed a sort of a minor obsession with, or maybe slightly geeky interest might be a better way of putting it, but the milestones in the Queen's reign or, you know, the millennium as well was a similar thing, but it's an opportunity for communities to come together and mark something. But actually what they're really doing is using it to make a, do a bit of fundraising and get some improvement to their village or to their town or, you know, so you might get, you might get a nice fountain, you might get a bus shelter, you might get a footpath, you know, these are all Ooh. things that you've kind of seen locally, or you've got this little plaque saying, you know, this, this bench was put here, to mark the Queen's diamond. I was about to say part bench, but you you went you went overboard. You were doing bus shelters. Well, I love a bus shelter. You know, huge. They're important things, and you know some of them are getting converted into all sorts of stuff now. There's a you know like little but it's trendy wine bars or no food helps and for people that need to pick stuff up and things. So all sorts. But I think I think it's just interesting seeing you know going to various towns across the UK and seeing how people mark things. And there was a, there was a walk I went on somewhere near where I live where there was, there was just a monument to Queen Victoria on the top of a hill that, and that was put up after she died. It was like a raising of a subscription in the local, in the local area to say, we want to, we want to mark our queen. And just put oh, a interesting. big block of granite. So I just think it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that people use so um you know if you are in the uk and have have got something in your town or village that was done to mark one of the queen's anniversaries then do email it in pod save the queen at trinitymirror.com or send it to us on instagram or twitter at pod save always enjoy um seeing and hearing from you um before we move on to talking about the remembrance celebrations particularly i just wanted to share jess h's comment because obviously last week we were talking about the election because it was still unresolved it's possibly still well it's basically resolved now and joe biden has won and kamala harris is the new vice president and excellent pussy bow action i think we yes all agree thank you thank you to those listeners who pointed it out to us on twitter as well but anyway so jess h said listening to the pod from last week about voting in the u.s although who you voted for is secret whether you voted is public record so it would have been possible to figure out if megan had voted in this election if gosh is it really royal well, Did you know that? Here. Yeah, you get, that- it's marked. You can get a marked register from the county. You have to know where somebody lives. Right. I think there's only certain reasons that you can get them here, but you can, you can get ticked off for whether you vote. So when you go down to the polling station to vote, they find your name on the list. Yes. And they put a line through it. Yeah, so I know that. Yeah. But I didn't realise that was public. It is. Gosh. It's wow. Well, Gosh. I don't know. I don't know how public. I don't know who I don't know who it's available to, but there are people who can access it. Um, so Jess says, "I wonder if she voted in 2018." So that would have been post wedding. Could you 
Yeah, well, in any did. case, she would have requested if so. If she had done, or if you were a person living in the UK, she would have requested an absentee ballot from California yes. and would yes. have been eligible to vote in federal elections, president, senate, house of representatives, yep. based on the last address where she lived in the US. Permanent expats are not eligible to vote in local elections, mayor, etc., or state elections. Well, she wasn't a permanent expat, though, was she? Or was she? I don't know. I well, I, it was all up in the air because she, you know, never it? did the sort of yeah. I suppose what's a permanent expat? I suppose that's the first port of call, isn't it? And then I guess there's always the things about tax, and uh, you know, it's all fascinating. These different everywhere has got slightly different systems, and they're mm. both fascinating and mystifying to those of us who are not who are not dealing with them. So, Jess, thank you very much for sharing that. But back to uh, the remembrance. Um, yes commemorations and it's interesting we were talking just before about you know sort of regency versus preparing the next generation and um people stepping forward and one thing that really struck me it was when we were watching the festival of remembrance on saturday night how central a role camilla took yes um, this time around so you had charles did sort of an opening um address and camilla did the closing address really and that's i i think for me that's probably the biggest deal i've seen her doing like the most public thing that was part of sort of the country's consciousness you're watching it because it's a moment for the country yeah. not yeah. because you are interested in the royal family or camilla's work she's obviously done some excellent stuff this year in terms of domestic violence which you're going to be interested in if you're interested in camilla or if you're interested in that issue the emma barnett show that she was on on radio five which is you know fabulous interview but if you weren't interested in the royal family or you weren't interested in camilla or you weren't a super fan of emma barnett you might not have bothered listening to it but the festival of remembrance it's about the festival of remembrance and she is there as part of it but as a as an important part of it and i thought that was interesting yeah, very interesting. And also um, exclusively revealed in the Daily Mirror, uh, it, she, she also made a speech to Britain's nurses. And I thought this was particularly poignant because she was talking about the, um, you know, them as the epicentre of the nation's response to the pandemic. And using this platform of not only remembrance and everything that stands for, and obviously the Royal Family's associations with that, but also um, speaking about you know the, the efforts of our coronavirus frontline medics and saying that they the um, their their work has rendered us deeply in their debt and I think that is something that everyone um, you know really identifies with especially what's go what's going on we've seen the the, the, the royal family are uh, speaking an awful lot about the NHS workers. Um, and I thought it was those two worlds just merged completely because we're also speaking about, you know, it, it comes to later on in the week when you're speaking about the, the centenary of the um, burial of the unknown soldier and obviously a lot of a lot about war dead and what that meant and about and and, and that's been part of the the uh, the conversation i think this week about the the dead that didn't come back and obviously the horrors of war and the the emergency workers back in in those times and it's just it's just fitted really really perfect even though it's been so unimaginably different the festival of remembrance was haunting there's no audience at uh at royal albert hall um you've had you know the cenotaph 
commemorations completely change. You know, you'd normally have thousands and thousands of uh, veterans, not only, you know, veterans, but you know, all, all the observers on the streets. Um, and that was obviously very, very different. And then, of course, the uh, the, 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 the centenary um, celebrations of commemorations of the of the burial of the unknown soldier that I attended yesterday at Westminster Abbey were very very different. There was supposed to be two thousand two hundred people there, and there was only eighty. Um, and if you haven't seen any any of these images, they're absolutely haunting. When I went into Westminster Abbey yesterday, I mean the the actual majesty and splendour of that building never ceases to take your breath away. But when I got there. There was, I think, there was three people in the building because I got there early, just before. But then, when there was the full um, service, there was, you know, there was definitely under a hundred people there, and that was including all the um, all the BBC people and the cameramen. So it's a, uh, it's been a very, very, very different uh, uh, occasions and commemorations this year. But um, certainly, Camilla has stepped forward, I think, over the last few months, and we've seen an awful lot more of her. And um, and it's been very, very welcome. You heart back to the ages where she was, you know, she was getting a very, very rough time in the press. And she's um, she's worked very, very hard at cultivating a space for herself and um, and is hugely admired for that across the board. And, um, you know, and some people have said to me that, you know, when Meghan didn't, didn't get the... Uh, you know the space that she was, you know, trying to operate in, um, and I suppose that Camilla didn't a, a long time ago, and yet she she plugged away, she worked at it, and um, she she's you know she she and look where is she's bearing the fruits of labour now, really. I think it was um, interesting on so on Sunday when it was at the cenotaph. Obviously, we're used to seeing the the royal family lined up on the balconies. We could we knew there were going to be three balconies because there were there were three that were sort of draped with things, but the the cameras were very much focused on the Queen um, through the through the first phase. And then when, when they did eventually cut away, it was Kate and Camilla at opposite ends of one balcony. And then you had Sophie Wessex and Captain Tim Lawrence at opposite ends of the other balcony. And, you know, so Kate and Camilla, they are kind of that, that future generation, albeit they are two different generations. And presumably this was the first time that the royal family have all met up really for anything and then they've been having that sort of awkward we can't hug each other or kiss mm. i mean it's fine because you have to curtsy anyway instead so no no you can do that perfectly well socially distanced but you know what they namaste and elbow bumping and it's that oddness of of meeting together as a family in a in a way that you wouldn't normally plus it's coupled with the oddness of this ceremony that they've been going to for years and years and years um which was so very different, but hugely, you know, sort of hugely poignant. We saw the we saw the wreath laying. I thought um, the seeing the Duke of Kent laying his wreath, I thought was quite moving because he's he's clearly very elderly. He looks quite frail um, and and thin, but it it meant a lot. You could see it meant a lot to him to be there, to be part of it, to step up sort of proudly he's um, president of the commonwealth war graves i think mm. um, and and to lay to lay that wreath and i think it was you know the, especially with the the changing nature of what had happened over the last you know few months and uh, and these services all being scaled down i think especially when you get to something like the armist day celebrations and obviously the week beforehand a lot of the veterans are are very elderly now and everyone is potentially the last one 
and that's certainly a last one for a lot of them um and and that's becoming very poignant um i i did see duke of kent doing that as well he's 85 now he's i mean he's still quite a lot younger than the queen it's you don't really think think like that do you but um, i'm sure he was um very honored to to, to to have that role because of the because of the amount of veterans that weren't weren't able to go so you were at Westminster Abbey yesterday. I was, I was, you know, and so it's, you know what? So the, the way that the Royal Rotor works, we have to, um, you know, take it in turns in, in some jobs because we, we can't all go. So we all sort of help each other out. And, and it's just the luck of the draw. Sometimes you can end up doing some absolutely fantastic um, jobs. And this is such an honor um, yesterday to, to, to be able to do this as I said there was only, it was supposed to be 2,200 people there and there was only 80 um, and so you know I'm sitting opposite Charles and Camilla um, the Archbishop of Canterbury it's just it was like a private audience with with this um, the service that was was going on and got to speak to some wonderful people uh, afterwards especially um, Johnson B. Harry who the, the, the soldier was given the VC to some tremendous individual um and it was just very very different uh, i suppose again if you haven't seen it it was the, the pictures are absolutely haunting and there's some fantastic sort of bird's eye view of charles laying uh, a wreath at the tomb of the unknown warrior um and i kind of knew i i've known about the story of the unknown warrior without you know knowing the real nuts and bolts of the history behind it and when you start sort of reading about it it's it's absolutely fascinating um and something that i think i'll you know try and learn more about because you know, when what what it actually stands for and the sort of thousands and thousands of um of men and bodies that didn't come back and and that actually that one monument that one idea um which was created out of nothing i mean that completely unprecedented um and and a hundred years later, it still stands for something, and will evermore, really, of 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 soldiers who weren't able to come back from war. Um, and just a, a, an absolute privilege to be to be able to go to that yesterday. And it's got a particularly special place, I think, in the royal families. Like, I, I don't know, in their in their lives, really, because they, the brides, the royal brides, will send their bouquet to be placed on the tomb of the unknown warrior after their wedding and we saw the queen last week or photos released on saturday of her she wasn't at the ceremony yesterday but she did go to pay her respects at the tomb of the unknown warrior and in the lead up to um remembrance sunday and that was where we saw her wearing a mask for the first time so you know we've talked previously about whether the queen should wear a mask or not or would she and and things and this was the occasion when when she did i think some people some there were a few people questioned it saying why is she wearing a mask when there's clearly nobody else around but it's like there were people around and and it's inside it's it's inside and you have to is that i mean you know and we were all wearing masks yesterday camilla's incredible poppy mask if you haven't seen check that out that was made especially for her by the royal british league um charles was wearing a mask made from one of his uh sort of textile in in um projects in myanmar um i'll mention that in a sec i mean the, 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 even though you're you're in, you're in an abbey you're you you almost feel like you're outside because it's just so huge but um yeah we were all wearing them yesterday uh 
and, and again, if you, if you, for our sort of global audience of, of who you don't know the story of the Unknown Warrior, it was um, the Reverend David Railton, who'd served as an army cap- chaplain in France during the First World War, and he ended up writing to the Dean of Westminster in August 1920. And he suggested that a tomb created for Britain's unknown war dead. And, and he, in his letter, he said he'd seen a, rud, a rough wooden cross in a French garden with the words, an unknown British shoulder, soldier. So he actually wrote to the Dean. The Dean then goes to King George V and says, you know, we, th- we, we like this concept. What do you think? King George V didn't know, know whether it would sort of drag up old memories of war sat down with the Prime Minister at the time, Lloyd George, and then they came across, um, they thought they thought it would be a good idea. I think six or seven bodies were brought back from France. One was chosen at random, and then his body was laid to rest in, in a funeral. And thousands and thousands of war widows turned up in the sort of days afterwards, and after the, you know, at the, at the actual funeral, to pay the respects. And it's a fantastic BBC documentary about all these people that interviewed sort of widows um, at the time, and they're all saying, you know, I, I just knew it was my son. I knew it was my husband. And it's just this fascinating, you know, moment in history that's that's ingrained within British psyche now. Um, and and if you've never, if you if you ha- ever get the opportunity to go, you you absolutely must. And as you say, it's become part of tradition of um, all, all the royal brides giving putting their bouquet down after after they're married. So obviously. Um, all of these big events when the family get together now for the moment there's going to be a degree of it's the first time since Harry and Meghan weren't there first time Harry not laying his wreath um, it emerged that or it has been reported that he asked to, to lay a wreath or for one to be laid on his behalf and that was not allowed um, what is your I've got what are your thoughts on that particular? Well, he's um, not a working or, or royal. How did it come out, if you like? Why did it come out? It was a report in the Sunday Times, um, you know, that is, uh, had been been verified to me. And it's, um, I think it's fascinating that he'd asked for a wreath to be laid in his name. And, um, and it was, and the, and the request was denied, essentially. So then you get into the period or into the, the discussion of how can, you know, Harry would obviously have wanted to um, be present, I imagine, and that's not possible at the moment. I don't think whether it will ever be, won't be possible again. It's, you'll, you'll now see him having to have his own um, private moments, as they did in Los Angeles, uh, which were... I don't want to say universally condemned, but I've got something for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. I'd like I'd like to know, sort of, open it out really to see what people um, thought because you can only read comment sections of newspaper websites so much. So, what do what do the people think? Well, thank you ever so much, everybody who um, who did reply. I can't share all of them because there was far too far too far too many, which was brilliant. It's probably the biggest reaction I've had from one of those I've done actually. Um, and I would say that largely people questioned the decision and whether it was the right thing to do or certainly how it was done. There was a degree of sympathy because Harry is, is a veteran. He has served. It's clear it's important to him. 
Um, and there's that feeling of you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But anyway, let me put it in the words of our lovely listeners who um, who I've gathered a few bits together. So some words that came through fairly often, attention-seeking, inappropriate, staged, imitating the royal family, tacky. Um, and then there were some people who were questioning whether the, ceremony, the cemetery they visited is open on a Sunday so did it actually happen on the Sunday or was it done in advance or you know perhaps they got special dispensation to go there because after all they may not be working royals but they are royals and I would imagine that opens a few doors or cemetery gates if you want them to anyway Kate Hagen says they had to do something if there weren't photos they would have been called out as callous Anna M says a little strange but the negative press and stories about the palace are worse Sally I love Meghan and Harry and thought the photos were awkward strange and downright sad and to see the world it would be respectful if there was just a picture of wreath and flowers the photos are about them Kelsey Bridgman I love seeing what they're up to because I heart them but find it ironic um I think that's something that I feel as well and we'll, we'll come back to in a bit Miss Cherry so it was really nice they pay their respect well Miss Kerry D like a Saturday night live skit Andrea Kavanagh, I think it's great that Harry as a veteran wanted to honour other veterans. You might want to get a cup of tea, Russell, because I've got a few of these and I think I mean, they're so I, good. I, I'm going to share them. I'm really fascinated about this. I keep on reading. I will keep I'm going, just, keep going. Yeah. Kristen Travels, showing respect, a veteran, why not? Mummy Nash, he's honouring his fallen colleagues. He served, he should be allowed to. Jamie K. Fish, good for them, particularly after Buckingham Palace refused to lay a wreath for them. Rebecca McLeod, why did the royal family feel the need to go public about denying Harry's request? To humiliate him? Question mark. Christina, she oddly dressed the part of a royal. It's Southern Cali. No need for wool. Alex, this instant. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of theirs, and this was a real head scratcher for sure. The medals, the outfits. They should have used the term personal visit, not private. Kitty Hublin who's got the best word invented since faff, I think, here. So I think it's appropriate when you consider the fact that courtiers wreath-blocked Harry. Wreath-blocked? Wreath-blocked, it's good. I sincerely believe the royal family is not so petty that they would deny Harry a wreath. I think this is all the courtiers doing. Gemma at the royal edit. So this is some of the longer messages people sent now. Not about the photos, but I think it's really important to remember that members of the royal family aren't laying wreaths at the cenotaph personally, but rather on behalf of others. For example, Her Majesty's is on behalf of the nation. This year's Prince, Will Prince Williams was on behalf of the RAF and Anne's was on behalf of the Navy. So it wouldn't make sense for Harry to have one laid for him personally. Precisely, precisely. always Who was that? organisations or the public. Gemma Who was that? will edit. The See, whole thing, the alleged request and then about. the reaction to it seems to be missing this quite important point. In rights filed, I think I might have written, that might be some autocorrect going on. So apologies if I've mangled anybody's Instagram name. And thank you, UNC94 gal for sending a message because every time I see your Instagram, now, Instagram name now, unk, unk94 gal, as I originally called, called you, it always makes me laugh. Anyway, in right filed says, cringeworthy, only thing that might've been worse is if Megan had worn a fascinator. Sharon Ann mm. says, <laughs> it wasn't a private, private visit and they should stop calling it that if they dressed up similar to what other royals would wear megan with medals harry located commonwealth graves organized a wreath and wreath stand took a photographer to capture the moment and then released the images it is not a private moment of observation and reflection they didn't want to be part of the royal machine they wanted privacy this is them again wanting it both ways if they wanted to honor remembrance sunday because it is important to them why the theatrics 
Gabisika says, a part of me thinks that no matter what they did, they would have been criticised. I thought it was a nice sentiment, but the photos did seem a little strange. It sort of felt like they were trying to recreate what was happening in London, which isn't something you see unofficial, non-working public figures do in the US and Canada. I just kind of thought they were a little bit random. I thought Meghan and Harry looked very nice, but again, maybe a little out of place. I wonder if they had just released a statement saying they visited the cemetery, would that have gone down a bit better? Nicole Class, I think it is lovely that they wanted to pay their respects and observe the day, but if they paid a private visit, it should have remained private. Having cameras there make it, makes it look like it was happening in tandem with the other royals, which is not the case as far as I know. They can't keep one foot in and one foot out. It just doesn't work. I do wish them the best and I hope they find what they are looking for. Laurie Ella Miller, I was embarrassed for them. It seems like it was done for publicity. No one would have known they were there if they hadn't alerted the media. I don't think Remembrance Day in Britain is all about publicity for the royal family. It's about duty, responsibility and giving thanks who fought, to those who fought for their country. Lots of Tots says, for two people who boasted about leaving the royal family, they sure like doing things the royal way. So, Well, yeah. yes, I think we've got the full spectrum I mean, there, haven't we? Full I mean, spectrum. Um, I, you know, nothing more to add there. There is it. Can a, I give there, my tuppence? You can indeed. My tuppence is that um, I think there is a degree of they'd be damned if they did and damned if they didn't. Uh, I, think the, I think it is the pictures that are largely the problem and i think that actually if harry wanted to lay a wreath at the cenotaph it doesn't have to be as part of that ceremony the cenotaph is there it is on a public road after the official ceremonials happen mm. people can people can can lay wreaths i mean we saw extinction yep. rebellion doing it yesterday which wasn't the you know wasn't the day to do it really but no. you know it is it is a public memorial and the yeah. day when i was in london a couple of weeks ago there was a there was a wreath of sunflowers that somebody had left there which was beautiful and nice. they, if he wanted to leave a wreath and pay a private respect he could have done so but it didn't need to be as part of the ceremony yes i think so and i think that uh, the, the the main issue that a lot of people had was the the not only the photographer the photographs but the nature in which they were taken um and the fact that well, there were several of them that seemed to have been you know how many were taken how were they then chosen to then put out to the world's media um and if it was a personal visit i mean that's a private visit it's not if it was a i think i agree with the um the listener there saying that you know the, the language is important as well they should have potentially said it was a a personal visit um and perhaps perhaps they shouldn't have been in the photos if you just had their but the back their backs and then another picture of the wreath that they'd laid i think that that would have been you know quite appropriate um it's just i think the criticism labeled at them saying that it had once again been made about themselves is a is a case to answer unfortunately because um it's just the amount i just was shocked at the amount of photographs that were then put out for for you know for to, to the world's media um this is why they anyway. need to get back on instagram and then all they really exactly. need to do is take a I, little yeah. picture of the wreath with the message that they've put Precisely, and you just put yeah. that on your Instagram, uh, I don't. Under, I don't really know why they haven't done it yet because there's there's plenty there's plenty of scope for them. There's, you know, they're releasing stuff online about Archwell. They've done certain things at uh, was it at the? It wasn't a food bank. It was like a baby bank, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. That they went to in LA. 
this is loads of stuff they could put content wise out and I just don't get why they why they haven't done it yet and maybe they really want to have a big launch so all the focus is on the launch of Archwell but it will be anyway whenever that comes out it's going to be massive um, and th- and this would just it would just get away from from the whole uh, awkwardness of you know where does where do you think about this so let's go down and we want to commemorate this occasion yeah that's great yeah, but we need to document it. We can't just say we did it. Okay, fine. And then you obviously hire a photographer who puts out all these pictures. And, you know, were they then, they would have, you would assume, been consulted about the pictures that were chosen. How many did they choose from? Did they then sit down and go, well, I look very solemn in that one, or I look good in that one, or I don't look good in that one. I mean, once you start, you know, scratching the surface of it, it all becomes a bit messy. So... Um, it just was a bit clumsy, I think. And it clumsy, been clumsy, I think, is a good word for it. And I think what we probably do need to remember is that this is all new for everybody and trying to get that balance right between doing the things and the sort of matter to the causes that you care about, but doing it in an appropriate way and finding that that right middle ground is a, well, my is view, a learning curve. My view is if, if, if you had a good, if he if they had a good relationship with the sort of let's say the palace machine and it was a good like, like yes we are finding our feet. We don't want to really um take the, the shine off of anything else. And obviously the uh Armistice Day and Remembrance services are very, very important to the family. We don't want to overshadow that or embarrass anyone. Could you have a look or could you give us some advice about how to do this? Um and it and that obviously hasn't happened, does it? That's uh, the the relations are so damaged that um that they're out on their own, and 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 this is this is a this is a problem for them, an ever increasing problem at the moment. We've got a few more minutes before we hear from um, the patron of not the patron, the, uh, someone from Age UK talking about Prince Charles as patron. Are there any other highlights from the remembrance um, celebrations? Or the, I think the Cambridges have been having some conversations as well, which you quite liked. And we must catch up on the latest on the Princess Diana. <gasps> interview situation but let's talk about the Cambridges and the nice things first yes we've been nattering for quite a while haven't we we have um, Russell's got okay. another call he's got to go to I so. do I do yes so, he's um, a very so Duke important and man Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were telling how grateful um, you know the country is to, to our armed forces who are serving gallantly overseas and this is we're back to video calls because there's you know apart from yesterday and the armistice celebrations that were that had incidentally had special dispensation from the government in order to take place and obviously a very very important occasion not only armistice day the uh the, you know the remembrance sunday but obviously the big the, the big sort of abbey um, centenary celebrations that we've just spoken about so they had to get special dispensation however now we're under lockdown in England um, we're not going to be seeing the royals out and about anytime soon certainly not before December the 2nd so we're back to Zoom calls and Prince William was holding video calls with um, members of the RAF the Navy and the Army talking about sort of a rem- talking about remembrance and what role it has within their lives what it means to them um, so he, he got on he got on the Zoom once again, speaking to people in um, Somalia, Qatar, and the Gulf on Remembrance Sunday. But also, which this is very interesting, actually, he was speaking about a drug bust that he was involved in when he was serving on the Iron Duke. Uh, a forty million pound drug bust while serving on the Iron Duke in two thousand and eight, while pat- patrolling the Straits of Hormuz. The frigate was intercepted. 
and seized more than 450 kilos of methamphetamine. Very interesting. Oh, and this was last month. Anyway, he's talking about um, his drug bust, 40 million pounds of... Oh, that was it. He was flying a Lynx chopper to hunt All down right. smugglers worth 40 million worth of cocaine serving in the Caribbean. Boy, he's excited about helicopters. I am. <laughs> well, he's sort of like, I can see him sort of being Airwolf. You know, do you remember Airwolf? No. An 80s child. Oh, I am, but I don't remember Airwolf. Anyway, so... Um, then and also, and also, Kate was speaking to sort of families who have benefited from the Royal British Legion and when families have lost loved ones about what the Royal British Legion has done for them and supported them in their sort of hour of need and very, very sweetly speaking to a, a young uh, 11-year-old boy called Charlton um, Taylor whose who's father, Michael Taylor, was a Royal Marine who's tragically killed in action in Afghanistan in 2010 and Charlton was proudly wearing his father's medals and Kate was sort of just saying, you know, you're, you, 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 these your daddy's medals. He'd be very, very proud of you wearing them. And, um, you know, it's what they do best, really, isn't it? And I think it was a very, very nice sentiment. And um, talk, just talking about, you know, the bravery of people serving overseas who we, we can't forget, even though, you know, we're talking about all our emergency services, sort you know, also our armed forces are still doing this job every, every single day of the year. Um, are you getting to go to Germany this weekend or is that somebody else's job? No, we have unfortunately decided not to go because of the two-week quarantine. So um, uh, Prince of Wales and Duchess of Cornwall are going to Germany for where well, they're going on Saturday and they will be carrying out a, ray, a few engagements on Sunday um, as part of Remembrance Services. And it's really quite sad, actually, because um, because of the new rules, Germany's in a lockdown as well, and because of the new rules, uh, one would have to quarantine for two weeks, and um, and unfortunately, a lot of us can't take that time away from from work and from our families um, to just sort of be confined to barracks for two weeks. If it was a tour, it would have been different. I think if we'd have gone, and and, and to be honest, I think this this would have been a tour. Uh, you would have seen Charles and Camilla spending a few days in Germany, but because of uh, both countries are in lockdown, they still wanted to go to the, the services, which are very, very important. These sort of remember it, say services in Germany. Um, it's it's just very difficult to justify it, you know, for, for two two weeks confined to barracks for one day. So I will be watching from afar, and I'm sure that um, our colleagues at the Press Association will be filling us in. Well, thank you to them for negotiating the quarantine. Um, yes, finally from you, Russell, that what is the 30-second 30, 30 update on the Princess Diana, Martin Bashir? <sighs> How have things okay. moved on since last I'll week? We talked about it quite fire. extensively. Quick fire. Okay. Um, Panorama reporter back in 1995, Martin Bashir, who obviously sealed his sensational scoop which is we're all still talking about um, all these years ago well the pressure is absolutely building on him because the daily mail and charles spencer who are you know carrying on these um these series of articles and a raft of allegations at martin Bashir's door that he essentially uh, lied and used subterfuge and created frank and fraudulent bank statements in order to present them to charles spencer and diana with the um you know showing that well claiming falsely that courtiers two very very senior courtiers at the palace and some of charles spencer's staff were receiving um payment from news organizations which was completely false um there are very 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 serious um 
you know, claims to be answered. The BBC has said that they've launched a new investigation. Apparently, uh, after initially it being dubbed a whitewash by Charles Spencer, um, the former director general says that, you know, said in 1996 that Bashir didn't have a case to answer and that though they had accepted that these bank statements were produced fraudulently, that they didn't have a bearing on Princess Diana doing the interview. Well, Charles Spencer has certainly refuted that. Um, and he is, you know, going hell for leather now. He wants a full and frank apology. He wants an investigation. The new director general at the BBC, Tim Davy, has ordered that investigation and said it will be robust and independent of the corporation. Now, Martin Bashir, uh, the BBC had previously said that they hadn't been able to speak to him because he was suffering the ill effects of coronavirus. Then he was pictured picking up a curry and a bottle of wine, apparently, from his local takeaway. Um, pictured outside his house, still hasn't spoken. Then the BBC said he is, he is they still haven't spoken to him because he's recovering from quadruple heart bypass surgery, as well as the ill effects of coronavirus. So he is yet to speak. However, there's been a couple of documentaries. And the reason why this has all come about is because there's been a couple of documentaries recently, both on um, ITV and the BBC, talking about... The, you know the 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 interview there was an interview yesterday with the graphic designer who did the work yes. as well which was yes. fascinating like look it that is fascinating and he is actually saying you know he well he got sacked essentially from the bbc his name was dragged through the mud that initial investigation in 1996 he was the fall guy which is exactly what he said he said i was the fall guy he's at his reputation was in ruins he says that bashir asked him who, who was his friend essentially he said um Bashir asked him to create these bank statements in order to just show someone for sort of demonstration purposes and he didn't know that they were going to be used to present as evidence in inverted commas um in the way that they were so he was absolutely distraught to find out this you know years later lost his job Bashir then went on to you know seek fame and huge fortunes both at home and abroad in the US going on to interview Michael Jackson um, you know several other big big stars and he became a household name so the pressure is, is really on the BBC and I don't think Charles Spencer is going to let this one go um, and no doubt we'll still all be talking for this for many months because until the BBC comes out and I, I think they're backed up against the wall with this because if, if they've already found out that Bashir produced those statements, the evidence is clear, um, you know, that he was all, all, that would already been accepted that he had produced them. And now if there are other witnesses to say what his methods were, and there's certainly questionable ethics uh, to be investigated, then, um, you know, it's, it's all going to get very, um, very nasty, I think. So watch this space. Russell, thank you for joining me today, but I think it is time to hand over to Zoe Forsey to hear her interview about what it is like working with Prince Charles. And I shall look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks time once we have um, done our Crown and Elizabeth Holmes specials. So um, yeah, enjoy not being in quarantine and following things from afar, Russell. And let's listen to Zoe. Yes. Hello. Yes, I am joined today by Laurie Bolt, who is one of the directors at Age UK. Thank you for uh, joining us on Pod Save the Queen. How are you? Hi, Zoe. I'm very well. Thank you for having me. 
So you are here to chat with us today because Prince Charles is your royal patron. But before we get into that, can you tell us kind of very briefly um, about Age UK and what they do? Obviously, it's a huge charity um, in the UK, but to explain to some of our listeners from a bit far, further afield. Absolutely. Um, so Age UK, in the simplest of terms, we're the organisation that helps older people when they have nowhere else to turn. Um, and that can be with all kinds of issues. You know, as, as we get older, there are lots of different issues that affect us. And, and Age UK is there at the end of the phone, at the end of our advice line, supporting older people with anything they need uh, in matters of ageing. Um, and as you can imagine, at the moment during this uh, pandemic we've been facing, that, that calls to our advice line have absolutely gone through the roof. Um, and we also offer emotional support through our telephone befriending and through our 24-hour helpline. And again, during the last six months, we've seen um, calls to that line treble. So, but AGK is here for any older person who needs us with that range of support. And so, how did how did Prince Charles get involved? So um, he's he's always been very passionate about um, aging issues and has has always talked as we all know very passionately about his own grandmother, but particularly to Age UK, um, some years ago, um, now ten years ago, we were formerly two organisations. We were Age Concern and Help the Aged, and. Uh, His Royal Highness was particularly interested in in seeing charities collaborate. So he was very instrumental in the setup of Age UK. So those two really powerful organisations merged back in 2009 um, and became the charity that we know today, Age UK. And he was one of the very key and leading people behind that, that wonderful collaboration. And so in the last 10 years then, how has that come on? What does his role now involve? Um, so he remains very much a champion, championing voice on older people's issues, um, you know, and, and, and in his own advancing years, he's a great ambassador for what people can achieve um, as they, you know, as they, as they get further in their life, I think, which is, which is really encouraging to see. But one of the most wonderful things he does for Age UK is he hosts occasions that, that bring other people to us. Um, and of course, being who he is, that can be in a really attractive and exciting opportunity, um, not only for potential donors, but also for our volunteers and the people who are working on the front line to help older people day in, day out. Um, you know, to, to, to have, <laughs> to be invited to an event hosted by um, HR Edge Prince of Wales can be incredibly exciting. Yeah, 100%. I don't think many people would say no to that opportunity, would they? Yeah. And, and so you've, you've met him twice, is that correct, during your, your time in the role? Um, I've actually had the pleasure of meeting him three times. And I oh. think it's really interesting. So I've, I've met him on a couple of occasions for Age UK. And I met him uh, in a former honour to charity breakthrough breast cancer, where he's, he's also um, uh, a patron. He was also a patron because he's incredibly charitable. One of the nicest things about him is um, he had um, he had commented that we had met in the past when I first when I first met him for Age UK, and I noticed the way that he he operates with um, with anyone that he meets at Age UK on a number of occasions. He will remember and 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 comment on the previous time, which is 
which is uh, it's a really down to earth approach for somebody given his role I think yeah and also someone who meets as many people as yeah. he does you know he goes to so many of these events and, and you know wherever he is everyone wants to talk to him obviously and you know there's so many introductions then okay so and so one of the other occasions you met him was you did you go to, you to St James's Palace for an yeah. event didn't you yeah, so this is James James Palace event uh, back in 2014, I believe, um, and that was it was an incredible occasion in which um, the Prince hosted a celebration event of AGK's work, so the work that we do for older people, um, <clears throat> and that included a lot of the guests were people working in the field um, with older people. So we have 130 local partners, local educators who work with us right across the UK, uh, you know, making sure that we cover all postcodes um, uh, for older people who need our help. Um, and uh, we were invited to St. James's Palace um, in, to have discussions with him and for him to thank those people for, for the contribution they were making in society for older people. And also a great opportunity for many of our funders and donors who make sure that the work of Educare can continue. And of course, for, for a charity, it's a, it's a lovely occasion because if you have, you have people who are potentially interested in funding your work, um, that's a great way to get them in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and he's very encouraging in those conversations as well. So that the impact of that is really phenomenal. So obviously at these visits, he meets a lot of the volunteers as well, the people that are out kind of doing all the amazing things that the charity does. What kind of boost does that give them to be recognised and to be thanked by you know, the future king? Gosh, that's quite hard to put into words, but I will <laughs> tell you about a really wonderful occasion around the prince's 70th birthday. Um, so there was an, an event held and hosted at Spencer House um, in celebration of his 70th year, um, in which 70 volunteers from Educare, who were all in their 70s, meet <laughs> him. So I mean, it's just such a lovely concept for an event and, a, a, you know, a really celebratory and warm occasion. And uh, on that occasion, he met every single one of them and he spent a short amount of time with everyone and they got the opportunity to tell him what it is they had been uh, doing for, m for many of them for most of their lives, volunteering for Age UK uh, and talking about the older people in their lives, the older people that they had been helping and the impact that volunteering can have, I guess not just on the older person, but, but on the person doing the volunteering as well and how much meaning it can bring in their lives. And I think to be able to talk about something that has been a big part of a volunteer's life to the future King of England um, on his birthday, uh, and when you're the same age, is you, you know you can't you I, I can't really put into words what an impact that has, um, and and certainly encouraging those people to keep on continuing to volunteer for as you know for as long into their lives as they as they can. So what's he like? It sounds like you know he's going to incredible effort to like chat to everyone and meet everyone personally. But what's he like as a person, as from someone who's met him? He comes across as thoroughly sincere, um, and I've been I've been quite amazed watching him operate a room at an educare event, and every educare volunteer or every educare donor that he meets, he he's he's really sincere in his questions and um, and in sharing his understanding of what they have con contributed to the lives of older people. 
Um, and he, you know, he he's genuinely enthused by by what he hears, and he genuinely wants to help. Um, and he just, you know, he, it, it strikes me that he works really hard, and that this is a, has a really meaningful place in his life, which is wonderful for an organisation like ours um, <laughs> that has, you know, a big a big job to do for old people. And the job that your charity uh, does obviously has been vital during the pandemic. Um, and he, Prince Charles, actually released a statement, didn't he? A message to people kind of highlighting how difficult lockdown um, was, you know, earlier this year. Can you tell us a bit more about the impact that had? He did a wonderful address um, about the issues that have been affecting older people in particular. And of course, when he speaks, people listen. And during that time, we really needed people to listen. We really needed old people to know that Age UK was there and that we understood what was happening in their lives. And we really needed the public to come and support us. And his, 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 his words and his reach were really potent and powerful to us. Um, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people donated and volunteered for Age UK during, during the height of that period. And I'm sure um, that that address had a big impact on um, the support that we received and that ultimately had positive outcomes for all the people. Perfect. Well, lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, Zoe, for that interview. Thank you, Russell, for joining me for a very long and excitable chat and listeners as ever thank you for joining us there would be no point us being here if you weren't here as well and particular thanks again for everybody who sends us in messages on instagram on twitter on email we always enjoy hearing them so do keep them coming and if you fancy leaving us a little review on itunes that would also be totally fabulous so once again wherever you are stay safe and well and until next time Lord save the Queen!